welcome to Learning in Lake Oswego, a podcast providing educational insights for an engaged community. Lake Oswego School District Superintendent Dr. Jennifer Sheely will discuss what's important to our learning community. She'll be joined by experts examining various topics, answering important questions, and sharing upcoming events and activities you won't want to miss. And now it's your host, Lake Oswego School District Executive Director of Communications, Mary Kay Larson. Hello, everyone. We're back for more Learning in Lake Oswego with me, Mary Kay Larson, and Superintendent Dr. Jennifer Sheely, who from here on out, you'll hear me refer to her as Jen. Today, we have two special guests. We have one of our amazing students who's a senior in high school and one of our outstanding school counselors. And both of them are here to talk about our students' paths from when they are getting ready to leave our doors and go out into the world and share different perspectives and insights into what that looks like nowadays. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jen to talk to both of our special guests. Hello, Lake Oswego. Thank you for listening again. Over the past four years, the Lake Oswego District has built up our wellness teams at our schools. That team includes our school counselors, social workers, and school psychologists. And we now have a school counselor dedicated to each of our elementary schools and a school counselor for each grade level at our middle and high schools. There are so many facets to their responsibilities, including ensuring students have the support they need to succeed while in school, as well as guiding and supporting students on their path forward when they graduate. Today, we're super excited to connect with a student and a school counselor to share some perspectives on college and career process. One of my favorite ways of staying connected with our students and elevating their voices and perspective is through my superintendent student council, centering students and supporting them not just as learners, but as leaders. And I've invited a returning senior member of the LOHS council, Dax Steinbeck, to share his perspective on his senior year and preparing for what is next on his plate. Welcome, Dak. Please share a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you like about school? What do you like to do when you're not in class? Uh, maybe even mention the student council. Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dak Steinbeck. I'm a senior at Lake Oswego High School. I was born in Portland and I moved to Lake Oswego in elementary school. Outside of the classroom, I love to garden and I love to read. Some of my favorite activities besides that is I love to play board games with my friends. I've been a big fan of Monopoly recently, even though it sometimes stirs up some disagreement between each other. <laughs> and yeah, the superintendent student council has been a really great experience for me to voice my concerns or my opinions on school policy or what's happening around my school. And sometimes just get things that the student body really cares about in the minds of the administrators. I love that, Dak. I ran into Dak when he was going into another uh, club that he is working in. And I had asked him about his application for this student council for the superintendent council and I was so impressed what he wrote for his application and I was mentioning that to him like it was I almost brought me to tears because it was so very very thoughtful and then he had said something to me back about um, oh thank you because I'm working on these college essays right now and you know that's it's nice to know that I'm writing well in, for these other applications. And so that's kind of what gave me the idea of this podcast is like, I'd love to have Dak come on and talk about what that looks like, because I'm sure it is quite stressful. And I wanted to hear a little bit from a student on what that journey looks like. So how's it going for you, Dak? Um, it's been going pretty, it's pretty well. I mean, today's November 
3rd, I think, and the early application deadline was on the 1st. And I was able to get in all the colleges that I had due that date. But like starting at the beginning, college applications really started for me at the beginning of last summer, where I just had to start brainstorming ideas for prompts and like what I want college admissions counselors to know about me that won't be on my application, like grade wise or activity wise. And just throughout the summer, I had to workshop different essays thinking about what was like most important to me or what stood out the most or what I had like the most inside me that I was able to like put on paper. And once the school year started to get closer and closer, I had to also start to balance like jobs and work and if any volunteering that I was doing. And once like the Common App opens, which I think is September 1st, you just have to like start filling out all of that demographic information and stuff about like supplemental questions specific to each college and you can use some answers that you use for like one application to the other but it still is like a interesting process trying to like make each one make sense for each college if if that like is it coming across right sure yep I understand yeah so you had also just mentioned just right before we started recording that you had applied to some international schools as well so I'm just curious if you could bring that up like what the big difference is between when you're applying for schools here in the states versus applying to international schools for sure I, I became interested in like international schools when I think it would have been two years ago me and my family went on a vacation to Paris and I was just engrossed with like the French boutique politics and how like, Their system of education there is much different than ours, and their politics are much less rigid and more fluid, and that's where I became interested in it. But in Europe, there's more so a, like, focus on academics rather than your, like, activities and, like, who you are. And I specifically applied through the UCAS system. I'm not sure what that stands for, but I know that it's the UK's uh, admissions application, and it applies to all the schools that are within the UK, some in Ireland and some in... I think France and Denmark, if I'm correct there. But going through that, it was mainly just like filling in like my grades and like courses that I've taken. And you can only apply to five colleges, no more, no less. And when you apply to those colleges, you have to pick their program. And when you're writing your personal statement for the UCAS, it's much less about like an experience that has changed you or something that you feel your application would be incomplete without. And it's rather geared towards like why you're interested in the subject and why it's important to you, what you'll use it for in the world going past college. And for that, I was really focused on law and politics. And I used like my experience in America as a way that I'll be like a fresh perspective in the UK and in Europe abroad. And that application, I think, was due. It's due for in the future, but I already turned it in. And getting that like off my checklist, I think every college application, and I think a lot of seniors can resonate with this, but sometimes college applications just feel like checklists. And once you get it done, you feel you feel really good because it's like a big <laughs> burden has been taken off your back. Sure. So because you know what that feels like to check that box and move forward, do you have any advice for other students who are going through this process? Or maybe if you, if you think about a student who might be a senior next year, like what would you do differently? What I would do differently is I would definitely be very easy on yourself coming into senior year. I would like forecast yourself like mentally and physically with your classes. I would under, not under schedule yourself, but make sure you have leeway for study periods and time off to yourself or time to do things that 
you might not expect you have to do, but just come up randomly, right? Whether you get sick or whether you have a family application or a college tour to go to, you want to make sure you have time to adjust your schedule and make sure you can do everything. Because at least in my case, I think at the end of junior year, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. And I, <laughs> I ended up having a full schedule of classes that I'm all really interested in. I love all the subjects I'm taking, but I'm finding it sometimes a bit stressful to manage all of it. But I think even if you're in that situation, you just want to make sure that you're like prioritizing the right things that like if you have a deadline that's due in like three days and then you have like a like class project that's due in like a week, you want to make sure that you're like prioritizing the right things senior year and make sure that you're getting things done on time. That makes perfect sense and good advice for everyone. As you know, we have students heading in many different directions when they graduate. Do you have any friends who are considering different options than traditional college? I have a friend in Utah who used to go, who used to be in the Lake Oswego School District. He moved out uh, eighth grade year to Utah, Salt Lake City. And he's, I think he already is enrolled in a vocational school over the summer. And he's planning on being a mechanic. And I think it's very interesting to see like the differences and the similarities between me and him, even though like sometimes we might not like get along in our like academic pursuits or our intellectual ideas. I still think it's very we, we have a lot to learn from each other, right? And where I might educate him sometimes on like new books that I've just, I've read or like something new that I've learned in class, he's able to like teach me a lot of things about how like engines might work or how like this thing like is a result of that. And that's a very valuable option for people to be considering. I also have a friend in St. Louis Abismo in California who graduated early from high school and is at a community college in his town planning on doing that until he's able to apply to a school that he's like more passionate about, like University of uh, California, Berkeley. And I think when students are like raised, maybe sometimes specifically in like Oswego, there's a lot of emphasis on like a four-year college and that like educational path from just elementary school, middle school, high school, college, graduate school, professional life. It sometimes leaves kids feeling that like there isn't any other option, but I really think what the district has been doing recently is promoting like either vocational schools or community college or other options that show that you're not just on this rigid path and you have other things to be doing and that you could even be taking a gap year and figuring out who you are because a lot of college applications want you to tell the college who you are. And sometimes when you're done with high school, you don't know who you are because <laughs> you're only like 17 or 18 and you still have so much life to live. And <laughs> like opportunities like community college and vocational school and gap years can offer that for students. And I think that's a really beautiful and emerging opportunity that students have. That's fantastic, Dak. And I totally agree with you. I'm still trying to find myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you want to uh, be when you grow up, Jen? I know. I'm still trying to figure that out. But with the holidays approaching, there's bound to be lots of family and friends interested in senior plans. And this is something that comes up quite a bit. And I remember my son having to work through this himself. But what's something you would want your family to know when they're asking you about your journey? To that, I think I'd want my family to like give me a bit of patience and leeway that sometimes it's been very hard to like, I feel like sometimes like a clown juggling a bunch of balls and like sometimes I might have one drop and slip and make a mistake. And coming into the holidays, a lot of it's wrapping up and, I, and I'm able to like focus more on like home life or schoolwork. And I really appreciate 
the people that have been understanding and the people that will continue to be understanding that it's been hard sometimes, but eventually, and I'll be able to see it through that I, I'll be successful and that no matter what happens, I'll be in the right place in the end. That's fantastic, Dak. Thank you for sharing your experience and perspectives with us today. I, for one, am really excited to see where you go and what you do next in your life. And I look forward to working with you all this year. Uh, Best of luck with all the other applications you have going on and any future endeavor. We're all cheering you on. So thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Just a little tip for all of you listening, please, when you ask seniors about their life after graduation, please, please be more open-ended. Don't say what college are you going to. Just say what are your plans after high school. Maybe even ask what support you can provide to them for their after-school plans. We have students who have a lot of different plans after high school, and you never want to make someone feel like there is only one plan. As Dak mentioned, there are a lot of right plans for our students out there. Thanks again, Dak, for being here with us. I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. I am a parent of a current senior, so I feel everything that he was talking about um, wholeheartedly. And we wanted to bring on somebody who's um, really helped my family is one of our school counselors. She's actually not my child's direct counselor, but she has hosted many information nights for parents and provided stellar advice that I've taken to heart. And I've, I've seen it um, work fabulously in keeping the peace and, and keeping um, nerves somewhat calm in my home. So we wanted to bring on one of our school counselors, Lisa Sheehy. I will also share just a little bit of background. Um, I don't necessarily know her personally, but one of my first childhood friends, and we're still friends, must see her at Thanksgiving, um, her brother is a principal in California. And during the pandemic, I got a message from him saying, I think you're getting one of our superstars. And it turned out to be Elisa Shee was moving up here. And he was absolutely right. We are really lucky to have you, Lisa. So I'm excited for our broader community to benefit from your wisdom and insights and sharing. So with that, I am going to turn it over to you and Dr. Sheely. Thank you, Mary Kay. Uh, Lisa, it's great to have you here. Uh, I started my tenure, as some people know, as a school counselor, and it was one of my most favorite careers along my professional journey. And I'm so looking forward to talking with you about it. So let's start with you. How long have you been a school counselor? Oh, thanks for having me on. So this is I think my 13th year as a school counselor, I actually started my career uh, as an English teacher and an English language learner teacher, and I eventually taught AVID, um, which we don't have in our district, but it stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. What motivated you to choose moving from teacher to counselor, and then what do you find the most challenging and rewarding about this particular job? So I taught for about five years before I switched into counseling, and it was actually teaching the AVID class that made me want to become a counselor. So in AVID, it's really meant for first-generation college students, and not only are you helping them to be successful during high school, but you're also preparing them for the future. And you just research all kinds of paths that they can take. Um, And you really work one-on-one with them. And the more I worked one-on-one with them, because you follow them all four years, which is an amazing relationship that you end up developing with your class. But I just realized there is so much going on for students 
outside of school that directly affects how they perform in school and what kind of attitudes they bring to school each day and behaviors. And I really wanted to talk with students one-on-one in all my classes. I was like, oh, I just want to have a, a therapy session with you, you know? And I thought, how could I do that regularly? And <laughs> that's when I was like, okay, I'll go back and get my counseling license. And so I did that at night while I was still teaching. And um, it was amazing. So I miss teaching every day. I love it. But this is definitely my right path. And I'm very passionate about helping students not only be successful in high school and really finding their groove and figuring out their path, but then obviously helping them with their post-secondary plans. I'd say what's most rewarding about my job, there's a lot, but counseling has shifted a lot in the last 10 years. It used to really be focused on college and career, and now it's there's a lot of social-emotional counseling involved in what I do each day. And I think one of the most rewarding things is being able to help a student who is struggling. It could be academically, it could be social emotionally or mentally, and just helping them work through that and see them come out on the other side is extremely rewarding. And you feel like you're really helping them with a life skill and learning to overcome obstacles. That can also be the most challenging part of my job. Um, it can weigh heavy on your heart sometimes when you see thing, students going through things that are a little bit more serious or just a little heartbreaking and you just want to fix it all for them and wave a magic wand, but you have to just guide them and help them figure it out. And that goes for college admissions too, right? It's fun to help them in the process. And it's very rewarding when they run in and they say, I got in here or here, but then it's also sad when they don't. Um, and there's there can be a lot of heartbreak in those situations too. Sure. I remember when I was the principal at Lake Ridge in March, there was always the you know time when you would walk on eggshells a little bit because somebody might be super happy and excited about where they got into. And then at the same time, their best friend would be so very sad and crying. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, it's such a tricky time, especially for a counselor. Yeah. All the emotions. All the emotions. <laughs> yes. And uh, Mary Kay mentioned you moved here from California. It sounds like you had had this experience, incredible experience, actually, reading essays for USC. What insights and advice can you share with parents and students from that? Yeah. So I'm actually, it was actually last year at the NACAC conference, which is a huge conference just for college counselors, admission reps, high school counselors. And I was sitting there and I've been, you know, this is my 17th year in education. So I was sitting there in these sessions and I was like, I feel like I know all this stuff they're telling me about college admissions, but what don't I know and how can I find out? So I was sitting there and I thought, oh, well, I have to be on the other side of the admissions to really know how to help families. So I applied to be a reader at USC. Um, This is going to be my second year reading applications. I actually just started two days ago, November 1st, because that's when their early applications are due. And it's definitely been, it's been a very eye-opening experience just to see things from the other side. I wouldn't say there's anything that has really shocked me, but it has definitely helped me understand how applications are read and, you know, when you piece it all together, like what is the final product? What is the person reading on the other side see and how does it look to them? And in that experience, really what I've learned is, 
USC is a really, really competitive school and it's extremely hard to get into, but they're not all that hard to get into, right? All the colleges. And so as much as I love working for USC and I read amazing portfolios of students that I just want to scoop up and just put them right on campus and I feel like they've earned it, um, but it's a very competitive school. So really what I've learned is it's really emphasized even more having a variety of places that you're applying to and just really being open-minded. You know, the most popular schools are the ones that get the most applications and that makes them extremely harder to get into. And that's why they have to hire admission readers like me. They don't have to do that at every school. They have to do it because they're getting around 80,000 applications. So that completely changes the game in college admissions when you have that many applicants, but you only have room for maybe 10,000 students or 15,000. So, and they're all eligible they're all amazing. It's been a tough job, but it's definitely helped me to counsel students and their families. How do you think the college application landscape has changed over the years, in the 15 years you've been doing this? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Well, I think in the last two decades, honestly, the biggest change is that there are, I think, 150% more applications than there were a couple of decades ago. So, really that is the biggest change is it's become competitive because there's just so many more applicants and schools haven't gotten bigger really like the campus yes it might grow a little bit but it's not like all of a sudden they can say well we're going to take 30,000 more students right that's just it's just not possible for them so of course they're going to be a little pickier and with who they take and how many they can take and that's definitely i think what's changed the most but it's actually It's a good thing, too, even though it can seem frustrating for families because students who weren't applying before are feeling like they can apply now. You know, students from underrepresented communities or low-income students, especially with the other big thing that's changed is test optional, right? So we came out of covid We couldn't do SAT or ACT, so they just canceled it, and then it became optional. And... That has been the biggest change, but it's opened up a lot of doors for students because they're like, hey, I could apply to this school. I don't need an amazing test score. I don't need a test score. So it's a good thing. It's hard because it's become more competitive, but it's nice that more and more students from all different kinds of backgrounds are able to apply to college. And I think one other thing that's changed in the community college setting, which we don't want to forget about, is... The Oregon Promise um, has come about, and that's been truly amazing. You can get two years free at community college with the Oregon Promise grant. You just have to go pretty quickly after you graduate high school. You have to go within six months after graduating. But two years free, tuition free, is pretty amazing. So really everybody can go to college, right? And there's many different kinds of colleges. So that's been a nice change. Lisa, you in one of the parent information sessions talked about that and you shared something that I thought was really valuable information and that is even if your student applies and gets into what they think is going to be their dream school and then they get there and realize this isn't what I expected it to be, that having applied to through Oregon Promise is a nice backup to have so if they do come home and need to reassess, they still have that option. Explain that a little bit more for people. Yeah. So when you 
I mean, hopefully you go to college and it all works out, right? Yep. <laughs> but yep. if it doesn't, life isn't perfect. Things get thrown our way. Um, so what's nice is with the Oregon Promise, it is tuition free. You can have done a little bit of college somewhere else and take those units with you and apply them to any university. If you're transferring to a community college or to another university, um, a lot of those units can count. But it's nice because you can go back to community college, take those general education courses, and then you can apply as a transfer student. So you don't have to you know, it starts all over. So when you go to community college and you apply as a transfer student to any university thereafter, they don't look at your high school grades, test scores, nothing. It just starts all over. So it's really kind of a clean slate, which is really nice for families. And we have 17 community colleges in Oregon. So we're not even just talking PCC. We have a lot of students who will go to, maybe they go to UVO or they're not quite ready to go to UVO, but they want to have some independence. They can go to Lane Community College and experience life a kind of a little bit outside of a university and not have to pay that cost, but yet they're living on their own, right? So there's a lot of different paths you can take to get to university or not. Um, but community college, there's so many great ones and they have great transfer rates, tons of programs, certificates, but of course they all have all the classes you need to transfer. And speaking of that, I mean, when you're working with a student who, you know, they're still trying to figure out maybe what they want to do after graduation, they come in your office and you're like, I really don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. How do you guide them or where do you start with that? Oh, gosh. Well, it, that's one of my favorite things to do. It's not a one day thing. Um, <laughs> it's not a one day task. Sure. But oftentimes where I kind of want students to start is just to figure out who they are. Um, and I know Dak said, it's hard to know who you are, right? And we're not asking students often to think about who they are and what they want. It's like, do this assignment, get to class, do your, you know, you have your activity. And rarely are they being asked to look inwardly at who they are and what they really want. So that's where I always start. We have like some personality quizzes we give, you know, some like study strategy questionnaires, like just who are you? What's your personality? Like, who do you jive with? What kind of classes do you jive with? Um, where are your passions, you know? And the very first thing I'll ask is, what do you do outside of school? Because if they can do something outside of school, they're probably more quickly going to figure out who they are and what they like and what they dislike. So I usually start there and we'll just figure out who they are, what they want, what they don't like. It's really important for students to figure out what they don't like. Sometimes they'll say like, well, why should I take this class? I don't think I'll like it. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. Take it and figure out you don't like it. And then you know that's not a career path or a subject area that maybe you want to go into. So that's kind of where we start. And and we'll just counsel them, you know, how to do well in classes, how to figure out how to study what type of classes are right for them. And then we kind of move up the ladder a little bit as they get older. So then we'll have them start thinking about, we'll have them take some career tests and quizzes with our Naviance platform, which is our college and career readiness tool we use. There's a lot of that on there. And so we have, you know, pretty much all our sophomores take that. And then that kind of helps them figure out like, oh, I never thought about this job or this area of study. And so that's kind of where we'll start. And then we get into the college stuff. That That isn't really something we dive into first. That's just a place they'll go. It's not supposed to be who they are or who they end up being. 
Yeah. So the the guidance kind of takes many, many sessions. And I always say the family needs to be involved too, because so much of what students feel they have to do or what they end up doing is family. It can be a lot of family pressure. Um, And so having, you know, parents in on that conversation is really important. Do you have some advice to alleviate some of that stress? Like what, what, what advice do you give parents and families to say, hey, how do you bring down the stress level of my child? Yeah, I think Mary Kay probably remembers this because we talked about this in the senior info session. But you can tell your student or your child like 20 nice things or positive comments, but they're going to remember the one negative thing you said. And they're sensitive. We know that they're getting older, but they're they're sensitive. And it's a hard time to figure out what you want to do next after high school. So I just always tell parents to remember that, like, just be gentle, be sensitive. You know, it's, it's okay if they don't know exactly what they want to do. Just have conversations, you know, not, not dictating, let them figure it out on their own, but just reward them for the progress they are making in school and the things they're doing with their life and who they are. And just let those conversations happen naturally. It's good to ask them about college, but like you were saying, you don't want to say, you know, well, where do you want to go to college? Where do you want to apply? The first question is, what do you think you want to do after high school? You know, or what's making you happy right now? Like, is there anything you're doing now you want to maybe do in the future? Or where do you see yourself after high school? You know, so asking those types of questions rather than those kind of questions that immediately put a pressure on and they're going to feel really bad if they don't give an answer they think their parent wants to hear. And another thing, you know, I tell parents is to to set aside time each week, especially when you get to senior year, to talk about next steps. It's hard when students are hearing it every day because they're already hearing it at school from their friends like, oh, I'm applying here. Or, How's your essay going? So have some designated time at home, maybe an hour or a Sunday morning or something where that's your time to talk about college and check in with them, see where they're at with their applications, you know, but it doesn't have to be something they're constantly hearing over and over again every day. When you shared that was such an aha for me, and I have been telling every parent whether they ask or not about that. And I know that that was a game changer for my family this year. And so really try and restrain myself from talking about college all the time, <laughs> not because I, the pressure, but more it's it's exciting and curious where my daughter's path will take her next year. And so for us, we want to talk about it because it's fun and exciting, but I can see the moment I bring it up that her nerves really get to her. So now we've reserved those conversations for Sunday before dinner, mm-hmm. where usually it's a calm time in our house. We're pretty well rested. It's part of our kind of family meeting on, okay, what do we have coming up this week that we all need to be aware of? And let's talk about what we're working on. And so it's really made for a much more peaceful fall in my household. So thank you, Lisa. See, there's, there it is. The reward, the reward (laughs) of my job. Yes, (laughs) that is really great advice. And thank you so much for spending time with us today, Lisa. This is always such valuable information and it's, it's a lot to take in for anyone listening. So luckily this is recorded and students and families (laughs) can always re-listen if they miss something or relearn something. 
And I also know that both high school counseling departments have really robust sections on their school websites covering everything from academic planning to mental health awareness. So please, please make sure to check out that information if you have additional questions. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. I learn something from you every time I listen. And I know we could keep talking about this for hours more. There's so much to it, but I appreciate the highlights. And as we mentioned in the beginning of this show, we talked about all the different responsibilities of our wellness team, our school counselors, our school social workers, our school psychologists. And um, another facet of your work is supporting our students who are some of our most vulnerable um, students who are housing and food insecure and want to take an opportunity to use that and segue that into our next and last part of our show, which is Where's Jen? Two very important things I'll be doing this week that I want to mention. Number one, working with schools on collecting gift cards for families in Lake Oswego. We are so lucky to have our own families and PTOs collect gift cards during the holiday. A huge fallacy in Oregon is that Lake Oswego, the community doesn't have families with food insecurities and unstable housing. That is just not true. We currently have 7.7% of our families qualify for free and reduced lunch. That is over 500 families with food insecurity. And we have just over 60 students who qualify for McKinney-Vento services, which is students who are houseless here in Lake Oswego. In addition to our local sites, uh, parents providing gift cards, we're super lucky that the Lake Oswego Rotary donates gift cards to our families. And LO residents Mike and Lori Kehoe always double what is raised by the club. So Mike and Lori have been long supporters of Lake Oswego school families, and we're so very grateful for their care and compassion to our students and families. And last year alone, um, the Rotary gave us $7,000. So right over $7,000, actually. So that was that's huge. I'll be doing that this week. I'm also going to be hitting up all of our elementary libraries this week. CJ Yap, who was a graduate of Lake Oswego High School in 2017, stopped by my office yesterday. And he gave the district his book series. CJ experiences autism and was part of our access program for four years. And now he's an author. His interest in archaeology shaped his idea of Martin the Fartin Mummy. And he has five books in his series. And CJ actually gave me enough sets to put one in every elementary library. So I get to go and deliver those this week. So I'm super excited about that. Huge thank you goes out to CJ and his family for, for donating those books. Um, if you want more information on CJ and his books, you can visit www.coffinmaster.com. I have a feeling those are going to be a huge hit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, elementary schools and the word farting goes well together. <laughs> so thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Learning in Lake Oswego. Thank you, Dak and Lisa, for joining us. And next episode, we are going to be bringing on two students, one from each high school to talk about various clubs and activities that they're involved in and how that is shaping who they are and, and helping them explore and pursue their interests. So uh, look forward to more of that uh, next show. Have a wonderful start to your holiday season. Thank you, everyone. We hope you found this episode informative and helpful. While our discussions are general, we understand each family's experience is unique. If you have specific questions about your child, please contact your school principal. To learn more about the topics we discussed, ask a question 
or share ideas for future episodes, please visit losdschools.org. And remember to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for engaging with Learning in Lake Oswego. We appreciate your support and look forward to having you with us for our next episode.